Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us, using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Welcome, I'm your host, Dana Robb, and I'm here with Gloria Ezionyasi, one of our wave leaders who lives in London, England. We're going to talk about the model of powerful impact. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you. I've been thinking about this amazing time that we live in. I mean, just the fact that we're having this conversation in two separate locations, 5,000 or more miles apart, that's pretty amazing, right? Um, Yes. Specifically, when it comes to our ability to have an impact, a positive impact on others, we do live in difficult times and there's so much conflict in the world and there's a lot of divisiveness. But when I thought on the fact that there's never been a greater opportunity to do good, to influence others in a positive way across the globe, I, I felt this surge of excitement and enthusiasm and, and that's the energy that I want to lead with. That's, that's what I want to focus on. It reminds me of a quote by Jordan Peterson, and he says, you think, well, there's 7 billion people in the world, and who are you? You're just one little dust mote among that 7 billion, so it doesn't really matter what you do or don't do, but that's simply not the case. It's the wrong model because you're at the center of a network. You're a node in a network. Of course, that's even more true now that we have social media. You'll know 1,000 people at least over the course of your life, and they'll know 1,000 people each. And that puts you one person away from a million and two persons away from a billion. That's how you're connected. And the things you do, they're like dropping a stone in a pond. The ripples move outward, and they affect things in ways that you can't fully comprehend. And it means that the things that you do and that you don't do are far more important than you think. Wow. Yeah. So, Gloria, I know that you're an influence in your community there in London, but that influence extends even broader, and I'm I'm excited to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about you to get started. Let's get to know you a little bit. Thank you for having me. I feel privileged to be part of this. Um, I'm always um, excited about anything I I can do um, as part of the big ocean, you know, making waves around the world. Um, Gloria Ezonyasi, that's my name, as you've introduced me. Uh, I, my life is full of a lot of stories, personal, you know, personal stories. And quite recently, I think as recently as two days ago, I was just thinking perhaps I should write a book and call it the miscellany of life because there's so many different things that have happened in my life, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do my autograph um, on, on, in this pod- podcast. So I'll tell you some things about me. I'm 51, turned 51 this year. I've got three girls and a boy. My three daughters are all in the uni, in the university. I'm studying different fields. My son is here preparing himself for his A-levels, which is the last year in secondary school before he he goes on to university without, you know, I'm trying to be modest, but I, I know that I've been a huge influence uh, in the lives of my children because I see 
my role as a mother as a huge vocation and a responsibility that I actually take quite seriously, but with a lot of joy, a lot of hope, um, a lot of dedication and consistency. And that is why, for example, when I started a master's degree in social work, and it was very challenging, you know, with teenage children and the course of studies that was so demanding, I kept saying to myself, you need to finish, you must finish, because if you don't finish, then you're showing your children that you can start and just drop whatever you've started. And that kept me going because I wanted them to know that no matter how tough um, life is, you need to keep going. You need to keep going and you need to finish and finish well. And that was what I did with my master's degree. I finished it and I finished well. I am not <laughs> praising myself, but I, I give God the praise. I give God the glory. And yeah, that's one example of how I look at life, how I want to be able to influence others. Um, especially families and young people in, in my community. And, and I do that in other ways within my church, where for 10 years I've been the, the women's leader in my parish. And each time I've said to them, we need to have an election, choose somebody else, a new fresh voice, fresh ideas. No, 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 you're the only one that can do it. We want you to stay there. And for 10 years I've been leading the women in my, in my church. And I, I, I enjoy doing that because I, I don't just, I don't enjoy because it's a leadership position. I, I enjoy the fact that I, I am there working with other women to strengthen families and work with families and support families in difficult times, in, you know, in joyful times where they're, you know, visiting families to see how they're doing, where there's a new birth or bereavement. Yeah. So my journey. In the UK, especially because this is where my life began, actually, I came at the age of uh, 20. And, you know, I, I did my first degree was in law and politics, which again, towards the end of it, I got married, became pregnant, and I had to juggle <laughs> being newly married and finishing off university. But that again, I stayed the course, finished because I know that. If I equip myself very well, then I'll be able to help other people um, and equip them for, for the goals and that they set for themselves. I love that um, you mentioned that you're, you, first of all, your influence is in your home, that is with your children. I love that that's your first focus. And, and that we talk yeah. about that a lot in Big Ocean, that originally that model of powerful impact starts with ourselves. We improve ourselves and then that influence affects our family. And I'm so excited to have you on to be able to talk about the influence in the community. You know, you, you talked about being a social worker and you, you work in your, uh, in your church. I love that. And yes, I work, I work with children and families. I've done that now for six years, um, post-qualification. Um, yes. And, and it's a job that I enjoy doing again. I, I think naturally I'm just a family person in the sense that I like to see families doing well, thriving. I like to see families, you know, pulling through their challenges and coming out the other end, you know, uh, you know, victorious, having achieved, achieved their desired um, goals. I like that a lot. I like young people. The whole family, you know, is, is where my, my vocation is. 
And that's why, you know, my own family is, is my focal point. And then, of course, that so somehow naturally translates into how I relate to other people, other families, other individuals, because I know that everybody comes from a family. So when I see a person, I think of a family, I think of what they can um, bring to their family or even to the larger community, because even the community itself, we're, we're one family. So that's who I am really. Yeah. And you strengthen a family and that will strengthen the community. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, I know you're also uh, working in a, a wave of Big Ocean in London. You're leading that yeah. wave. And I'd love to hear some of the things that you and your wave are doing in the community. Yeah, yes, uh, our, our waves in London, we've come through um, COVID as everybody else. Uh, I mean, thank God those of us who survived, we've come through, through that and we're picking up from where we we stopped more or less because that did hit a few of us in, in significant ways. One of us still recovering from what they call is it. You know, the symptoms are carrying on from COVID. She's really um, suffering with that. Yes, but as a, as a wave, we support each other. You know, we have our face-to-face meetings where, you know, I, I try and make provision for food so that people can find a space, a refreshing space for us. And then within our community in the UK, we've done one or two projects like providing sanitary towels to a, to a secondary school. Well, at a point, we, we looked at our makeup and we saw that where, where women who have come from overseas, where all of us are Africans, different parts of Africa, East Africa and um, West Africa, I think it's East and West that we have at the moment. Yeah. And we we recognize that somehow because of the situation, the circumstances in, in our native countries, the poverty there and the lot, we we acknowledge the fact that we can actually pull our efforts and resources and then focus on those countries where we're from. Uh, not necessarily looking after our own families, you know, which we, we, we don't do, but we look out, you know, with a wider perspective at the individual countries and what the needs of women and families in those countries might be. So we identified the shortage of skills with, with women who are trying to be the breadwinners within their families, try to provide for their families, but they can't really do much. and that vicious um, cycle of poverty continues to persist within those families. So we, with Lagos, for example, in Nigeria, we identified about 11 women were in, in dire straits in, in, you know, in, in urgent need of helping them to break free as soon as possible from poverty. And we were able to sponsor them. We contributed money and sponsored them to go and learn some skills. So some of them learned to sew, some learned to make soap, some learned to catering, you know, cooking different dishes and, and, and selling that. Um, sewing, have I mentioned sewing? Some of them learned to sew and some of them learned to make um, beads, like a jewelry made from beads. 
and these and these women now they they're all working and providing um for for themselves and for their families. So that's one big project that we've completed so far. And that's when we when I speak with some of them, it gives me a real joy to know that they're not now talking about not having money for food. I know they may they, they don't have something like a smartphone. They may not live in the kind of house that they want to live, but they have somewhere that they live. They have so most of them have have phones, but not smartphones. But at least one of them I can reach out because she has now a smartphone. So their needs have changed. You know, it's not anymore the lack of or mobility. They can't even travel from one place to the other. So that that impact is so so fulfilling. You you get a sense of fulfillment from that. And then again, we 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 thought about period poverty because this is something that is actually prevalent in the in the UK in England and we thought to ourselves if a country like England can experience if girls and women here can experience period poverty which means they don't have adequate sanitary provisions to take care of their monthly menstrual menstruation if that's the problem here and then um, it, it, it would be a huge and worst problem in, in developing countries. So we, we took that vision on and we, we looked into how we can source reusable sanitary kits that we can take to countries in, a, in, a, in Africa or anywhere at all that we, we, we see a need for that. And um, that's the next thing that we are going to do. We're already to go to the Gambia at the end of this month, November, we're going to the Gambia and we're taking nearly 300 um, reusable sanitary kids to the women and girls. So that's the next project that I'm really, really excited about and looking forward to. You know, people talk about the dangers that might, one might encounter, but um, we've done our research. We're happy to to go with every caution, and yes, the women there that they're waiting for us. We've already already made contact beforehand and set up a waves there, that so that they can receive us, and through them we can channel those re- reusable kits because the, those women members of the wave they they are there, they, so they know the people who really need those kits. Because we need to go for the, the neediest of the women and the, and the girls. So this is the next project that I am really, really excited about and looking forward to um, bringing smiles on the faces of those schoolgirls and, and women who would receive the gifts that we're taking with us to, to them. Your, sorry, was it your wave that created those 300 kits? Or no, how you... no we, we, we made contact with them. With Days for Girls, um, an international, uh, I think it started in America actually by Celeste Bagel. So we made contact. We discussed it within the wave, one of the wave meetings, and then Anne, Anne contacted Celeste and gave us a contact. And initially, we wanted to learn how to make it. But again, one thing about uh, the, the wave. Um, yeah, in, in London, all of us are working some some jobs like social work where it's not it's not easy to like find the time to actually 
um, make those kits. Mm -hmm. But what we do, we go and volunteer to, we go to the um, chapters because they have chapters here in the UK, the, the uh, days for girls. Okay. This year. So we go there and volunteer whenever we can, even if it's just to cut the ribbons or do the ironing or um, pack the, the kits, whatever we can do. So we go and volunteer at time because it's so good to see how the, the kits come together. Yeah. You know, you could easily just collect them and go and distribute them. But if you don't go to where they are made, you will not fully understand what has gone into one single kit. So we go to the, one of the chapters here in the, in the UK, in Horsham, and we help out whenever we, we can. So we go on us because they, they do sewing days every month or every other month. So we, we give our time that way. But it's something that we'll come back to because what I saw at the chapter is that a lot of the ladies, they, they are retired, so they're not in, in full-time employment, paid, paid employment. So it's so nice to know that, you, you know, you can give your time even after you've retired from um, active and paid employment. So it's still a vision that we have and that we're holding on to quite closely to, to, our, to our hearts that this is something that we want to do for girls and women around the globe. Mm -hmm. So eventually we're going to shift from Africa to other parts of the world. But right now, it just seems like a natural like, um, gravitation towards Africa because that's where we're all from. I'm from Nigeria, but we're going to Gambia because I said to the way there, I, you know, it's not about where I'm from. It's about where the need is more urgent where the need is much more, that's where we would go. And that's how we were doing it. And wherever there is a greater need, that's where I would go first. Um, and that's what we're doing. Um, yeah, so um, the, the wave is growing. Um, people need time. I found that people need time to understand um, what we're about and what charity work is really about. Because some people... They have different things in their minds when you talk about charity, you know, so allow the women time to, you know, come see here. And sometimes I invite them to the, to the larger, the global wage meetings that we have once every month so that they can come and meet others and, and hear for themselves what we, what the vision and the mission is. Yeah. I love that awareness that you have, that it takes time for people to understand what it's about and. And giving space for people to come in when they're ready. Um, we all have different time frames when things, when we have the time and the ability to serve. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That just present it and, and make it available. And I think that also plays into our impact. That sometimes it takes time for our impact to be seen. Sometimes it's immediate. You go and you deliver these kits and it's going to be immediate results. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our impact is more long-term as we continue to give and serve that that is rewarded yeah. over generations. Yeah, I think that's very important to bear that in mind that uh, it's not always the case that you, you see the impact of what you're doing. If one has that perspective, then you, you're more likely to be motivated to carry on because if you despair or you get frustrated that you're not seeing the impact of what you're doing, then of course you would lose the motivation or lose sight of what the the lifespan or the time frame 
for the movie or goal, really, because it's not really just about today, but it's about the effect of what you're doing for the women or for the families in your community, how that effect can last and last. It's like when, because in my, in, my, in my church, I, I do a few things like, I teach young people what we call catechism. I uh, teach catechism to the young people. I, so I, I prepare them for their first Holy Communion. And then, of course, the next progression is um, their, their confirmation. And these are children that you see, you see, sometimes you see that you see when their parents, their moms are pregnant with them. And then they come to the class to, be, to receive Holy Communion at age eight. And then between 13 and 18, they come back for confirmation. And it's amazing how, you know, you see how they're progressing, you know. So that's, that's a way of looking at the work that we do as a way of, you know, do what needs to be done, you know, do it with, with passion and consistency and dedication. And even if the, the results are not immediate, you know, have hope that the results would be there in the future, even if you're not there to see it, other people benefit from it, you know. And that's why my main vision really for, for wave, the wave um, is wherever I go to take these kids or wherever I go to do any work on behalf of the wave or our wave is to start up a wave there and let somebody there actually run with the vision. I want to plant the, the big ocean wave wherever I go. As soon as I meet somebody and talk with them about the, the big ocean waves and they like the idea, I empower them. I encourage them to do something, you know, and that's how the Gambia wave started. It's even has even been registered officially with them, the government there. Mm-hmm. So they've sent across the documentation, their registration, which I feel so good about. I just like to... And pow, you know, the next woman, the next woman, and the next woman, and just give them the baton and, you know, and, and let them pick up from there. And that's how we're going to reach very vast people, you know, number yeah. of people and places. Yeah. I, I don't like the idea of like holding everything onto myself and, and just think I can be the one and only source. No. I can actually fill up and make somebody else the reservoir. That person can fill up the next reservoir like that. Yeah. You empower somebody mm-hmm. else to be a leader in their community. And as they grow as a leader, then they're going to empower somebody else to be a leader. Okay. And that mm-hmm. just ripples out. Okay. And the effect yeah. really becomes so much greater than if you tried yeah. to do it all yourself. You really are limited in how many people you can reach. But if each person you yeah. reach... You empower mm-hmm. to influence all the people they can reach. That's where we become, mm-hmm. like Jordan Peterson said, that connection between a billion people is by re- influencing the mm-hmm. thousand that we're connected to, and then they influence their thousand. Yes, and and I suppose for me also that's that was the vision that gave birth to what I call each one teach one. I that that phrase or that uh, saying, and I'm not the I'm not the originator. I think I, I came across it somewhere, each one, teach one, and I liked it. And I applied that to the, the ladies in, in, in Lagos. So what we said to them was, we'll train you, we'll fund your training, we'll pay for your training, and then you will train 
another set of 11 women. And, in that, and then those ones also will train another set of 11. And in that way, before you know it, a lot of women in Lagos, in Nigeria, would acquire the skills they need to break free from poverty. And that's, that's what we're working on now. You know, they've, they're trained, they're working with their, their, their training with their skills. We're looking for the premises. Once we get um, a space where they can set up and begin to train other women, then that vision would, you know, will continue to reinforce that, that, that vision, give, give those women the power to train other people. I know that some of them feel like they lack the confidence, but I keep encouraging them. Mm -hmm. You've learned from somebody, don't doubt yourself. You can actually teach another person how to sew, how to bake, how to cook. You can, you know, so right now is to find the right environment where they can come together and be able to share their skills with another set of eleven women, like I said, Mm -hmm. and we just carry on like that. And yeah, that would be a very huge or remarkable way to empower women in that community. Because sometimes you might think you can't do something, but if somebody's there to sort of hold your hand, encourage you, and you can see other women and look up to them that you know they've done it, you you'll be propelled, you'll be motivated and empowered to also step out and and do something that you you thought you could never do before. Yeah, that's my vision, really. Thank you. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that so much. And I think you're right that sometimes we just need to know that someone's holding our hand mm-hmm. and that will help us and encourage us to move forward. And yeah. we really can do more than we think we can. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I want to know, Gloria, though, how do you fit it all in? How do you take time for all of these great things? Oh, I'm telling you, everybody in my church, people always ask me that. Even some people who maybe they don't know, they've forgotten it or they don't know me long enough. They say, oh, it's because your children are older. And I said to them, no. Ten years ago, my son was, my son is 17 now. So ten years ago, he was seven. And for ten years, I've been the, the women leader in my parish. So it's not, I've not just started doing it because my children are, are older. I believe strongly in one thing about bringing up children. Children learn more from what they see than what they, they hear you say. So if I'm active, if I'm busy, if they see that it's not all about me, my family, but I also reach out to the wider community, then they will know that there's more, there's a purpose to our, to, there's a purpose to our lives. You know, I don't want my kids thinking it's just about them. You know, you, you go to school, come back, do this, do the other, just you, 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 and family. No, you need to be able to find the time to reach out to others. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I know some people say, oh, you may, you, you might be overdoing it. You never find time for yourself, this and that and the other. For, for me, when I go out, like now we're on a break from the, the classes in church. Once we start in January, we're when I go out after my paid job to do something that I'm not paid for, I feel really good. It's refreshing for me. So that, that's my me time. I know that, yes, you know, people say, oh, why you don't watch TV or you don't just lie down. I, I get to do that when there's the space for that. 
I don't feel, I don't feel burdened when I'm doing something that somebody else can benefit from without any um, financial rewards or things like that. So yes, how do I find the time? I just, one thing is for sure, if I don't put something in my diary or if I don't get a reminder, I could forget. Or yes, I, I, I find creating the time to do things for other people as a me time, as a, as a refreshing time. And I can only say that that's how I create the time. You, you have to create time for, for others. Otherwise, I don't, I'm not sure how life, if life would be exciting for me. I don't see how life would be exciting if I just did paid job and just looked after my family. And that's it really. But that's me. I guess everybody's different um, in terms of what they want to do and how they, how they find their own fulfillment. You know, like I said, I'm somebody with a lot of multi-layers. I started out in life wanting to be a nun. So I wanted to be a nun, not marry, just, you know, uh, devote my life to serving God and serving everyone else. You know, things happen and I'm not a nun today, but I want to still be able to live out those values of being able to give myself not just to my family, but give myself to as many as I can be of help to. That is all that is in my mind. That is all that I want to do. And, I love that. Yeah. And I, I just find joy and peace in that. When I come back from doing things outside of the house, outside of paid job, when I come home, I just, I just feel right. I just feel good. I just feel I like, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I think the Holy Spirit is confirming to you that you've made good use of your time. You find fulfillment in that, that, that you said life would not be enjoyable or inner. What, what was the word you used? Life wouldn't be fulfilling or enjoyable. Yeah, fulfilling or exciting. Yeah. If you weren't exciting, yeah. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the same adventure it is no. if you weren't working yes. on serving others. And it's a beautiful yeah. life you live. Thank you. It's, thank you. It sounds like it's busy, <laughs> but it's fulfilling. It's rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. It and is your big. impact is being felt. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, yes. Yes, I don't think I would want it any other, any other way. Even when my kids say to me, oh, well, when you retire, we want you to just relax and do this. And I said, no. Because I still want to, you know, go out there fully, full-time charity work, you know, um, travel around and maybe before then I want to learn some more skills so I can be of better use to other people. Because sometimes I even feel like, oh, I don't have a lot to offer. I'm not an IT person. I Sometimes I wish I was good in IT. Perhaps I'll be more useful to people. Well, IT is something that I don't know if I will ever be better than how I am now because this... <laughs> It's, it's not something that uh, I think I can learn easily. Some people say, oh, yeah, you can't. But things like something that, of course, my mind is uh, curriculum development, you know, developing curriculum. But I think there's yeah. people doing it already, even within our way. But if that's so, an interest of yours, we should, we should pursue that. I think it sounds like you've already got the vision of what a wave should be and how it builds. You know, one wave leader yeah. reaches out and creates another wave leader. I think that's a beautiful mm-hmm. idea. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, my, um, yeah, my colleague, my, I think he's just my colleague. 
And that's why um, I think I started out wanting to be a nun, I think. Mm-hmm. And then when he, had, when he did WhatsApp, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe if I had just become a nun, then I'll be able to do much more. But then people say, no, don't, don't think like that. You're already, you know, impacting on your family and yeah. you're still doing, still doing community work. It sounds to me like you've devoted your life to God and that you're doing things that he's asking you to do. And it might be different than you originally planned, but it sounds like you're going the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. I remember in September, there was every year we have what we call International Day in my church. And this September, I wasn't there. We had to go to a wedding. And then when we did a review of that event in my church, and some people were saying, oh, because, because you were not there, the, the food aspect of things didn't go right, you know. And even people that I didn't expect to say that, they were like, oh, Gloria, you were sorely missed. The food wasn't there. The food didn't go around. We didn't know what was happening. And I was like, really? I didn't think I was having that, that much effect on on a, a big community event like that. And then on a Sunday, I saw, as I was coming to church, one lady was, she stopped when, to wait for me. Then I got there, she was like, I'm wearing this blue and white today as a mark of respect for you because I tell you, you didn't, you were not there at the International Day and everything went bad. I was like, really? I wasn't even expecting it from her. So I just felt perhaps I shouldn't have gone to the wedding. As much as it feels okay, good to hear it, and I, but I felt bad, like oh, I wish things had gone right. So I've said to the to the committee in the church that I think we need to encourage one another more. I don't right. want to ever be indispensable, and that's why I like empowering others. I, any group I am in, and I see somebody try to make themselves indispensable, I tell them, I tell them up front, no. You cannot be indispensable. Nobody should make anybody else less capable of doing things. Let's empower each other. Let's encourage each other. I don't like the idea of anyone being indispensable. You know, any any group I am in, I I try and dispel that. If people start forming that mindset or creating a situation like that, I say to them, no, 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 we're not. Nobody's indispensable. We whatever it takes to empower each other, equip each other, encourage each other, so that if I'm not there, somebody else can step in and do even better than I could have done. You know, but I just thought I shared I shared that because working in a community, sometimes if you don't unless something like that happens, you may not realize that people are not actually trying to develop themselves or learn what they should learn to do some things. Maybe there's an over-dependent on one person or one system. There shouldn't be that. Everybody should be able to um, feed into each other. Unless, of course, somebody's completely not able, you know, for other reasons like maybe health or or they don't have the resources, then, of course, that's understandable. When it comes to developing skills and using skills for the good of others, I think there's a huge need and it's crucial, crucially important that we empower each other, we equip each other so that we're all 
able already and available to to serve the community really you know, to okay. serve wherever we are yeah that's my thing i love that i think that's a beautiful place to end thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us okay. and letting us know the impact that you've been able to have i think like you said it's not about you it's just about doing what what god has asked you to do and and being able to help as many people as, as he puts into your path and okay. i want to encourage all of our listeners that you have a greater impact than you realize and each one of you is needed there is something that yeah. each one of you is being called to do and yeah. so find your place and Definitely. reach out reach out to us we would love to help you become a wave leader or to join a wave or to find a way to get involved because your impact is needed now more than ever. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Gloria. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Hopefully I'll bring you news next year about Cameroon and Ghana and Togo and Nigeria, of course. Those are the countries that we've put down to, you know, make take the waves to. So hopefully... There'll be more. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll call yes. you back on. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Thank you so much. Take care and God bless you. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters waves, or women achieving vast empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.